Casey for the first time in 39 years. The Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Hello and welcome to the Brady Bros Boston Sports Podcast, where we cover everything in the Boston sports world. My name is James Brady, and alongside me, my brother Nicholas, say hello. Hello, everybody. Today is Thursday, December 27th, and we are currently recording episode 11 of the podcast. So why don't you get us started with the 2018 World Series champion, Boston Red Sox. Saw a little bit of a trade rumor uh, coming out of the MLB uh, over the last week. The Red Sox are apparently very interested in Adam Ottavino, who was a relief pitcher who played last year with the Rockies. Uh, Among the Red Sox, the White Sox are interested, and the Rockies are reportedly open to bringing him back. Just to give you some background of last season with the Rockies, uh, he's 33 years old. And last season, he went 6-4 and four with a 2.43 ERA in 75 appearances. Uh, a very, very nice .991 whip and 13 strikeouts per nine innings. So could be the uh, the bullpen talent we've been talking about that the Red Sox should uh, go for. We talked a little bit last week about maybe the minor leaguers. They're working on uh, growing, I guess, but a more solid guy who's played at this level before and we might see him in a uniform. Who knows? Yeah, and I think this would be good for the the Red Sox to really round out their bullpen. Uh, we've talked about it the last couple of weeks, and it's our main concern. I'm not really too concerned with anyone uh, in the field. Really, it is just with the bullpen that I have most of my concerns. So hopefully if we get Ottavino in here, get a good reliever, start working on someone to transitioning to getting a closer, uh, and really get those pieces fitting in the bullpen and having a good pitching rotation for a first start of the 2019 season. On top of that, we got some, I don't know if they're significant awards, if you would say, but Associated Press came out with um, kind of their sports accomplishments for the year, if you will. Uh, Among the male athlete of the year, Mookie Betts was actually the runner-up. They gave the uh, award to LeBron James, the famous NBA player, I'm sure, as many of you know. Another player for the Red Sox actually uh, took the AP award for play of the year across all sports, and it was our very own Andrew Benatendi with his game-saving catch in Game 4 versus the Houston Astros. Now, if those of you who don't remember this, this was one of those instances where the Red Sox were up, Craig Kimbrell came in, not only gave up a couple of runs, proceeded to then load the bases, and with two outs in the ninth inning, a pretty decent hit to left field and just some absolute robbery by Benintendi. Game-saving catch, as I said. The stat cast, which many of the teams now use. I don't know how how it pulls the data or whatever, but stat cast gave him just a 21% chance to catch that ball. So pretty incredible if you think about it. And on top of that, if he doesn't catch this ball, this, this game would have been over and gone to the Astros, making the series two games to two instead of three games to one. So a very great play. And uh, a good honor for Andrew Benintendi to get some recognition. 
I'm really glad that he's getting this recognition because I've seen MLB's been coming out with all of their, you know, plays of the year, outfielders of the year, all that crazy stuff. And Andrew Benatendi is a player that I really thought would be on a lot of those lists and has seemingly flown under the radar of a lot of those people. And I'm just glad that someone's actually recognizing some of the crazy things this guy did in the outfield, some of the incredible catches that he, along with, I guess, the rest of the outfielders made. But this one coming in the most important of times in, you know, playoff implications, he doesn't make that catch the whole course of the series is changed you know you got a lot on your mind at that time and you just got to focus on catching the ball only 20 percent chance so one out of five times he's going to make this catch and it just so happened that that one time was exactly when he needed it very little news coming uh for the red sox this week so that's pretty much going to do it for them this week let's get into the segment on this podcast called today in sports history and it just so happens that we have another i believe our last one was having to do with baseball our last two having to do with baseball maybe since we started doing this we have another boston specific stat i don't know how long this trend is going to go on eventually we're going to have to come to a stat that has nothing to do with boston sports i think but for now the streak continues so on this date december 27th in 1919 red sox owner harry frazee announced that the red sox would deal any player except harry hooper uh so i guess this kind of means they we're willing to let anyone go except this specific guy, Harry Hooper. Uh, but what's funny is Hooper was then traded or signed, I don't know which, with the White Sox after the very next season in 1920. Uh, for those of you who don't know a lot about Harry Hooper, as I didn't looking up this stat, he played 12 years with the Boston Red Sox, actually, from 1909 to, like I said, 1920. And with the Red Sox, he had a uh, .272 batting average. Uh he had played in 1,647 games with over 7,000 plate appearances, almost 1,000 runs, 1,700 hits, uh, 30 home runs, and almost 500 RBIs. So a pretty decent career with the Red Sox. Uh, significant guy back in the day, I'd say. So on top of these uh, statistical personal records, he actually secured four World Series championships with the Boston Red Sox over that time. How much he contributed, we don't really know, as this was a very long time ago. So, pretty interesting man for the Red Sox. That's going to do it for today in sports history. Let's keep the show going and send it over to the Boston Celtics. James, what do you have for us? So, starting off, we'll do the recap of the last week. So, the the first game of the past week, Friday, uh, the 21st against the Milwaukee Bucks. That was a loss, 107-120. to 120. A couple of good performances in this game. Jalen Brown putting up 21 points, 7 rebounds, 4 steals. Tatum putting up a solid 20 points, 5 rebounds. The Celtics only had 5 turnovers compared to the Bucks' 20, but just could not shoot the ball, which really made all the difference in this game. Celtics shot 38.5% from the field, 29.4 from 3, and 75 from the line, while the Bucks just absolutely outdid them shooting 51% from the field, 40 from three, and 78.6 from the line. So a pretty solid game overall. Good numbers by a couple of guys, but like you said, it's just the shooting that kind of did us in here. So I guess kind of a reassuring, I don't want to say reassuring loss, but a decent loss to a very good Milwaukee team who is still second in the East, as we continue to point out week after week. So definitely... Um, some foreshadowing here that the pieces are there. It's just a matter if the Celtics can put them together to, uh, I mean, and this is a very, very potential playoff matchup uh, and definitely an opponent we are going to see a couple more times throughout the year. So it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds as we go forward here. 
Getting into the next game, Sunday the 23rd versus the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, 119-103 win. Uh, noticeably, Al Horford finally returned this game. Kajura being 10 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists. So very solid outing for him. Uh, Kyrie Irving led the scoring with 25 points to go along with 5 assists and 4 rebounds. So um, a pretty commanding victory over a team we lost to previously. A pretty uh, heartbreaking loss, if I remember. Uh, end of the game type of thing, last second shot. And moving forward on to the next game, Tuesday, the Christmas Day game versus Philadelphia in a 121-114 to win. Kyrie just took control of this game at the end, hitting a clutch bucket to send it to OT and then led the way through OT with 40 points and 10 rebounds in the entire game. Celtics come out on top, and that was obviously a very f- close game if it went to OT. And a good win to get over a, you know, a rival team, someone who's right next to us in the standings. That's going to be good going down the stretch. And a team, if I'm correct, we've beaten twice now. I believe so. We beat them on opening night. We may have dropped a game. I don't remember how many times we've played them, but two wins over in the season versus Philadelphia for sure. And also, I forgot to mention that Tatum and Morris both dropped 23 points. So Tatum putting in work and still doing great in his second year in the league. And then Morris just continuing his outstanding season that we've seen so far. And the final game uh, of that past week is actually tonight and uh, a couple of hours against the Houston Rockets, who have been underwhelming this year, but still a force to be reckoned with always with people like James Harden, Chris Paul, but uh, should be a good matchup. Yeah, James Harden is currently battling some sort of injury. I don't know what it is. Uh, He was doubtful versus the Celtics, but last I saw this morning, he was upgraded to likely, so a guy will most likely see uh, tonight. Not really... I mean, a big game because this is a very good Rockets team who, like you said, was underwhelming. But uh, not a team I think we have to worry about going forward because we don't see them that much during the season. We might see them once more. I'm not sure how the schedule plays out. But um, not someone we'll see in the playoffs. I'm like 99% confident unless they really turn their stuff around and we meet in the finals or something. But I don't think that's going to be a scenario. I didn't write this down in the prep, actually, so this is going to be kind of a on-the-fly type of thing, but just looking back from me, uh, looking at the past box scores and everything, uh, Jason Tatum has really been, I think, flying under the radar, putting up some good performances, but a guy we haven't really talked about a lot in this podcast. We've more so been focused on, uh, you know, Jalen Brown's shooting struggles, how Marcus Morris is having such a breakout year, and of course, Kyrie Irving uh, becoming the it looks like soul leader kind of thing of this team. But Jason Tatum, a guy I think who really deserves some recognition and is just uh, a consistent contributor to this team and a guy I really like to have there. Yeah, and you know, with a lot of players in almost me- you know many different sports, you hear about a sophomore slump, you know, players have a great breakout rookie season and then second year they kind of just slow down, they're not playing as well. But But Jason Tatum really hasn't fallen off at all. And I think what contributes to that is how much of a leading role he took and, you know, heading into the playoffs last year with that, you know, injured team, no Kyrie, no Gordon Hayward. And he stepped up and he filled that role and he filled those shoes that need to be filled. And I think he's continuing to do so. But now that he's surrounded by guys like Kyrie, you know, Hayward's back. There's just been bigger headlines than Jason Tatum. But a guy that, like you said, we need to appreciate and he's been putting in solid work in the starting lineup is a guy I hope sticks with the Celtics for a while and... uh Truly has been doing really, really well this year. Now let's transition to someone we uh, just previously mentioned, who we talk about a lot on this podcast. Jalen Brown is still coming off the bench, but uh, still putting up good numbers, like we said back in the Bucks game. Uh, 
leading the way with 21 points, seven rebounds, and four steals. So he's getting he's getting the the minutes, and he's contributing. Just we're not seeing him in a starting role. I just wondered uh, what your thoughts on this. Maybe is this a way to uh, still see Jalen Brown in a bigger role, but also give time to guys like Morris and Smart who have also been playing very well this year. I think this is just Brad Stevens trying to distribute the minutes evenly because we have so many key guys in this team, and uh, Jalen Brown just happens to be coming off the bench type of thing. Oh, I really like the look of Jalen Brown continuing to come off the bench. He's a guy where I'd say he's less consistent than the people we have on this team, and consistency is so important. You need a guy that can go out there and put up a good showing every single night he's on the court, and Jalen Brown has not been that this season. I'll say that very bluntly, but He's a guy where if he has a good game, he's heating up, let him play. Let him, you know, staying off the bench a little bit. But if he's cold, it's not like you're taking one of your key five starting five guys out of the lineup. You can just kind of sit him on the bench, give him less minutes, which we've seen a little bit of. He's still getting a decent amount of minutes, averaging anywhere around, you know, mid-teens, low 20s, somewhere in there. So obviously not as much as the starting guys, but still playing a significant role in the game and uh, is a guy that I... I'd honestly like to see him continuing to come off the bench. And I don't think we need to dive too much into this. Maybe we, next week or the week after or something like that, we can come up with the lineup we would like to see for the starting Celtics, but something we've gotten into a lot, it seems, on this podcast, so we can continue past that. Uh, some bigger overall NBA news, depending on what team you support. Obviously, here we talk about the Celtics mainly, but all-star voting has started. So uh, you can go online it, for the Celtics, obviously, Celtics.com, and I would imagine it's similar for any of the other NBA teams but go on support the guys you'd like to see uh go to the all-star game although it's kind of a bit of a joke now because they don't play defense and the east and west so different in talent the past couple years that they've moved to that whole captain thing so who are a couple of the guys on the Celtics um and not trying to like be the main Boston sports fan like oh everyone deserves but like who are your like maybe top three guys who you'd like to see go to the all-star game from the Celtics Kyrie, I think, is an obvious pick. That would be my number one as well. Horford made it last year, but I don't think he'll make it this year. I thought I'd bring that up because I didn't really remember he even made it last year. Realistically, though, so Kyrie for sure, I'd say. Maybe Marcus Morris. He's He's been having a really good season. I'm not really sure where he'd fit in. He obviously wouldn't be like a starting five guy or anything. No. I'd say top three would be Kyrie, Morris, and Jason Tatum. We'll, We'll throw him in there. I would have to agree with you mainly, Kyrie being my number one, and then Jason Tatum followed by Marcus Morris. I Realistically, I think we'll probably only see Kyrie make it this year with uh, just the breakout talent in the East this year. Only sending uh, Kyrie and Al Horford last year, so I think probably just Irving getting the, getting the votes to make it this year. Let's take a quick look at the week ahead for the Boston Celtics. So Saturday the 29th, they're playing at Memphis versus the Grizzlies. Uh, then Monday, New Year's Eve, they are in San Antonio playing the Spurs. Wednesday, they come back home for uh, the new year, the second, and they play the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I know that we've at least seen the Timberwolves before. We won that game pretty recently. So I'd say some decent teams coming up, but not not anything like the week we just had where we played, you know, the Bucks, the 76ers, teams that, first of all, are ahead of us in the division as well as pretty good teams. I'd say these are kind of middle-of-the-road teams. Um, I'd obviously like to see the Celtics winning. Uh, coming off that that win streak we had, dropped a couple of games, but we, we just need those like four or five-game runs where we get the get the win streak going a little bit and slowly climbing up uh, in the East. But 
What are your takes on the uh, the games coming up this next week? Yeah, I think San Antonio will probably be the toughest game, although Minnesota playing very well, Derrick Rose uh, playing extremely well, kind of having a, a comeback year, if you will, a guy that's really exciting to watch right now. But yeah, I'd say probably San Antonio being the hardest game. They're somewhere in the middle of the pack out in the West, sitting right at eighth, uh, eighth place, actually. So not having a phenomenal year, but again, the West only separated, the top eight teams are only separated by four games, so... We talked about this last week, how a whole week of basketball could shift everything around. So my game to watch is the Spurs. And I think, like you said, just a a fairly easy week heading forward. But who knows? Uh, We've been known to struggle against the worst teams. So we'll see. And we will transition on to the other half of the TD Garden, the Boston Bruins. And I'll start it off with a quick recap of the last week. So Thursday, the 20th versus the Ducks, a 3-1 win. Pasternak had a goal and two assists. This game ended a nine-game losing streak against the Anaheim Ducks that I didn't even know the Boston Bruins had. Uh, And also, Halleck had 24 saves in net, so still continuing to see a little bit of a split with that goalie goalie position, but Halleck still continuing to do a pretty good job. Saturday, the 22nd versus Nashville, a 5-2 win. Bergeron had four points, two goals, and two assists including his 300th NHL goal in his return, which is really exciting to see a guy like him come back. Off the injuries the Bruins have been having, it's really good to see a guy like him coming back and just playing at the level that he's playing at already. Halleck again with 28 saves in this one. Marshawn and Pasternak each had a goal and two assists. Then Sunday, the 23rd, at Carolina, lost 5-3. Bruins gave up two shorthanded goals. Ryan Donato had two assists. Marshawn also had two assists. And Rask, we saw a change in net there. We had Rask in, and he had 32 saves. And the last game of that week is actually tonight in New Jersey against the Devils. The Bruins actually falling to sixth in the Eastern Conference this week uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets climbing up ahead of us just by a point. The Bruins are actually only missing out on third place by four points. So... Uh, A decent week, kind of a disappointing loss, I'd say, in Carolina, giving up the two shorthanded goals, that being the difference in the game, obviously, losing 5-3. to Any thoughts here on the, again, the Rask versus Halak debate? I mean, Rask did happen to be in goal the game they lost this week, but it's two shorthanded goals. You can't really put that on him. It sounds like the, the penalty kill there wasn't doing their job. So, I mean, just bad luck here, or we've talked about this before, how we see Halak getting a majority of the, the starts this year, it seems. But so is this Rask's fault or is this just some bad luck, uh, bad timing on his part being put in to start that game? I think that really it's kind of like a, it's a situational thing for Rask. It just so happens that the game that he was in net, they happened to lose this Carolina team giving up five goals. Um, I do like the look of continuing to go back and forth and not really having one set-in-stone goalie. I think that it's a it's a good strategy, and it also just gets both of them playing time. Neither of them gets, you know, uh, used to sitting on the bench for a long time and then just has to come in uh, in a spur-of-the-moment situation. Uh, but if you look back, Halleck had 24 and 28 saves in the two games that the Bruins won. And then again, Rask had 32 saves but also gave up five goals. So once again, Rask was stopping a lot of shots and doing his job relatively well. And like you said, the penalty kill probably being the main issue in that Carolina game. But I I, I think 
keep doing what they're doing. I don't see a reason to change what they're they're doing. It seems to be working relatively well. Correction there, not the penalty kill. I think we both just said it. That would be the power play squad as they were up and they give up shorthanded goals type of thing. Yeah, I miss I misspoke there. You see the issue now. Moving on, it looks like uh, a couple of the guys we talked about last week are activated from IR. Chara, Kevin Miller, and Jake DeBrusque all getting activated from IR. Uh, Chara did participate in practice last week, I think we mentioned. It looks like we are close to getting back even more of our talent and getting closer to a 100% healthy team. I don't know if there is such a thing as a 100% healthy team in hockey, but it certainly looks like the Bruins are working toward that, uh, getting Bergeron back and now looking to add Chara and these other fellas back into the mix. Yeah, and I think finally just getting everyone back on the ice, having all that talent, even if it's just available, not even having to use use it all the time, but having the talent available and having those players there is just so much better for Boston, the, the team, the fan base. We saw all these guys go down with injuries, and it's so nice to finally, you know, kind of be getting, getting them back because a couple weeks ago we're talking about they just need to get through this month. They just need to get through this stretch of weeks where they're missing a lot of their key guys. And they've finally done that. Obviously, they haven't fared the best out of it, but they haven't put themselves too far out of reach of, of anything in terms of playoffs, in terms of seeding. Not that that's even close, but they haven't put themselves at too much of a disadvantage, and now they have their biggest talent coming back. I think this is where we need to see the Bruins play really good hockey for a couple of weeks and they will be right back to the team they have been and are capable of being yes yeah, exciting as always to get such big names back maybe now let's go through the week ahead it looks like a pretty good week of hockey here for the bruins uh saturday the 29th we are actually in buffalo playing the sabers so if you remember i believe it was not last week but the week before we dropped a uh, a game to a very good sabers team that we keep mentioning then on tuesday new year's day they actually we've talked about this again the Winter Classic versus the Chicago Blackhawks. That'll be on at 1 p.m. And it'll take place at Notre Dame Stadium. And then Thursday the 3rd, playing the Calgary Flames. So, a pretty pretty good week, some good games. I'm excited to watch the Winter Classic at the very least. Let's keep moving here into the Patriots, who finally won a game. Uh, it wasn't pretty. They did win. James, I know this is your sport, so I'm just going to let you go away like always. All right, so... 24 to 12 win over the Buffalo Bills. I mean, it's a win. We'll take it. There's a lot to highlight from this game. A lot went really well. A lot also didn't go very well. But the run game, which is something this Patriots team has not been known for and we don't ever talk about other than it's bad, was absolutely dominant in this game. And probably the reason we won, because if Brady continued to play anything like he did through that game, we probably would not have won against the Buffalo Bills, which is pretty sad. 273 total yards on the ground, which is absolutely insane for this Patriots team. Uh, Sony Michelle kind of leading the charge, as always, with 18 rushes for 116 yards and a touchdown. And this is almost my favorite part about it. He had no targets or no receptions being treated as a receiver. So just strictly running the ball with him, and this is exactly what I talked about last week. I want more variation in the backfield and ask and you shall receive sometimes. So we saw a lot more of James White. We saw a lot more of Rex Burkhead. Them more so being used as pass options too in this game, but also racking up a couple of rushing yards for themselves. That all being said, the passing game, which is what I said is usually the best about this team and what I said we need to do more of, they did less of. They, they were horrible in this game. 
Brady was 13 for 24 on passing attempts, a measly 54% for those of you who wanted to know, and totaling only 126 yards and one touchdown. Some of the worst stats I've seen from Brady in a long while, especially in a win. You'd look at these stats and you'd say there's no way that football team won. Granted, we did play the Buffalo Bills. It's a good thing we were playing the Bills that week. And just taking a look at these stats real quick, a very different look for the Patriots this week uh, with a very heavy run game and a not-so-great passing game like you mentioned. So they're definitely, this show, they're definitely capable of running the ball, which is uh, intriguing. Again, we were playing the Bills. But, I mean, if we see another game like this from Brady this year, we're not going to the Super Bowl. And we talked about that last week. But he, this has to be like, he has to hit the refresh here, forget this game, and keep moving forward. That being said, uh, why don't you continue to take us through some of the stats from the game? So I just want to talk about your point real quick. That's, that's a very good point because if we see the run game like this and we see Brady playing like he normally does, putting a, a couple hundred yards in the air, one or two touchdowns, that's a very dangerous offense. And I know we keep saying it's the Buffalo Bills, but if you can do that against any team, it's very, very good. Anyways, moving forward, Julian Edelman was the main target being thrown to and targeted 10 times. Only six completions, but he did also have a practically highlight real touchdown, rolling over a Buffalo defender, not even touching the ground, and just getting up and sprinting to the end zone, which was, I'd say, probably one of the highlights of the game. Um, And someone we've talked about a lot in the past, Gronk. Targeted only three times, didn't really get, didn't catch any of them, and a lot of them weren't his fault. They were poorly thrown passes, but a guy that we need a big performance out of and we need to see stepping it up, and he hasn't been doing it the last couple weeks. Speaking of the subpar pass game, Chris Hogan and Philip Dorsett, uh, not even passes in their directions, no even attempted uh, passes there, and this is this is kind of a shame because Chris Hogan has been such a solid guy in the past and I, I think a, a weapon we need to utilize. Philip Dorsett, both of us thought, was going to take kind of a larger role with Josh Gordon uh, leaving the NFL, <laughs> if you will, uh, last week. But nothing in his direction. Uh, guys, I think we definitely need to utilize going forward into this last week and especially into the playoffs. You can't have three main guys because any playoff team is going to, they're going to know those three main guys you got to be your typical Brady who targets six or seven different guys throughout the game uh, multiple times. So guys, we need to see get back into the offense this week and going forward into the playoffs. Yeah, so moving forward, run game, if it can be anything similar to what it's been, I'm hoping it's reflective of more variation in the backfield, which is something you don't see a lot of teams doing, but I think the Patriots could do very well. The running back as a receiver becoming more popular in the NFL, I think the Patriots could do that very, very well with this passing offense, and we just need a better game out of Brady. Better game out of Brady. We are playing the Jets next week, so that, once again, it doesn't really matter. The Jets are really bad, but we need both sides of the offense working and both halves of the offense working before we play the Jets. So uh, now we're going to take you through kind of the AFC playoff picture here, and I think James is going to do most of that. But uh, I think I see this kind of becoming a theme on here, whatever conference or whatnot our team is in, maybe we take a look at going forward the playoff picture as the end of the year approaches. Uh, We kind of did it with the Red Sox. We're doing it very in-depth now with the Patriots, so maybe going forward you can expect more of the same for the Bruins and the Celtics. 
But uh, James, there's a lot written here, so why don't you kind of take us through it, and then maybe I can explain what this means for the Patriots. Don't mind me just bumping the mic there. Uh, go right ahead. So AFC player picture as of right now. So we have not seen a single week 17 game. Leading the charge, the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I don't think it really surprises anyone that they're there. 11-4-0. They're currently first in their division, obviously AFC West. Tied in record to the Chargers, but ahead due to just certain tiebreakers. Uh, they're finishing their season at home against the Raiders. And I have never rooted for the Raiders once in my life, but now I will. We can explain that going forward, but... Uh, in the second place spot in the AFC is your very own New England Patriots. So we've currently clinched the AFC East for a NFL record 10th year in a row with the win over Buffalo last week. And we finish our season, as we've said multiple times now, against the New York Jets. So moving on to the third two, we have the Houston Texans who are 10-5-0 as well. Uh, so tied with the Patriots in record, but we obviously have the game up on them from the first game of the season. They'll finish their season at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have been very weak this year. And also, Blake Bortles is coming back. So, unfortunately, I like the Texans' odds in that one, but we can talk about that once again in a little bit. Next up, fourth seed, the Baltimore Ravens, who snuck in there and just overtook the Steelers for that seed. Coming off a big win against the Chargers. Uh, they finished their season at home against the Cleveland Browns. And uh, a side note on this, which we'll talk about in a little bit, a Baltimore loss and a Pittsburgh win will also take these Ravens out of the playoffs and put Pittsburgh in their spot. Fifth seed, and this is probably the most surprising one just because of how the seeding works. It's actually the Los Angeles Chargers who have the tied best record in the AFC, but due to the seeding and how it all works, they're actually fifth, which is dangerous because that means we could play them very early on in the playoffs. But they are tied record-wise, like I said, with the Chiefs. Um, and they will finish their season against the, this weaker Denver Broncos team. And last, but certainly not least, the Indianapolis Colts, led by Andrew Luck, 9-6-0, sitting at that sixth seed, finish in Tennessee against the Titans. And this, for me, is the game of the week right here. Because Tennessee is also 9-6-0, and due to tiebreakers, Indianapolis is ahead of them in their division, but whoever wins that game is going to the playoffs. So it's either Indianapolis is going to make it or if Tennessee beats them. And I don't even know what to think about this Tennessee team anymore. They've been very good at moments against like the Patriots. And then they've been the Tennessee Titans at moments where they're just bad and they have been bad, but a lot going on in this playoff picture. So as it stands, in order, one more time, Kansas City Chiefs at 1, New England at 2, Houston at 3, Baltimore at 4, Los Angeles, Chargers at 5, and Indianapolis Colts at the 6th seed. That was a lot of information. We're going to take you through what this means basically for the Patriots because uh, we've talked about um, the first round bye, how good the Patriots are coming off the bye. There still is a glimmer of hope if some very unlikely things happen for home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And there's also potential for us losing the first round by uh, if we slip up versus the Jets. So let's kind of take them through all the scenarios here. First off, uh, probably the most likely, most unlikely, sorry, scenario is that both the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs lose with the Patriots winning against the Jets. That puts the Patriots in first place and secures us home field advantage and a first round by in the playoffs. Now for most unlikely to probably most likely, uh, the Patriots beat the Jets. Kansas City Chiefs take care of business against the Raiders. 
and the Houston Texans take care of business against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, assuming all these teams win, as long as the Patriots win this next week, they secure the first round bye. Now, if we were to lose versus the Jets and the Texans were to win, we would lose our first round bye, having to play uh, the very next week in the beginning of the playoffs. But again, you know, the Jets being a weak team, pretty unlikely. Although it is unfortunate for us that the Chiefs and Texans finish against some pretty well, not pretty poor. Some of the poorest teams in the NFL, if you will. All right, so out of all the teams that we've listed here, the only other two teams that we could possibly play due to any variation in this seeding are the Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm very conflicted between the Baltimore Ravens and Steelers because I don't want to see either of them. The Baltimore Ravens have been rocking this crazy offense recently, led by Lamar Jackson, who's as much a threat on the ground as he is through the air. And and their team's been doing insanely well. And like we saw, beating the Los Angeles Chargers, who are regarded as one of the best teams in this in this division. The Steelers, once again, I just feel like our game didn't go well against them. And I feel like it could be much of the same if we played them again. But I want to flip it to you. Who, do you, who would you like to play in this AFC playoff race okay first of all let's go through the the two teams we i we cannot see in the first round of the playoffs at the very least is the the chiefs and the texans if i'm correct right there's no possible way we can see either of those two teams unless some very unlikely things happen i got nothing is actually set in stone at this point so these these week 17 games carry a lot of weight uh personally for me i'd love to get another shot at the titans just because the Colts and how Andrew Luck has been playing this season kind of scare me. Uh, the Steelers, we have played very well against in not only the regular season and the playoff season, uh, besides the unfortunate loss a couple of weeks ago. So for my pick, it's probably the Tennessee Titans. I don't really want to see the Chargers because I think they are a potential Super Bowl contender. I would rather see them maybe once we've had uh, a playoff game under our belt get some of those new guys that playoff experience and get the veterans back into the swing of playoff football but now i'll flip the question back to you who do you want to see i'll start off with a bit of a uh, i guess a, a take here i'd like to see the kansas city chiefs and i know we can't see them immediately there's actually i don't think any possible way we can but i'd like to see them if they don't get a first round bye and this comes because andy Reid is their coach andy Reid, known for being incredible coaching coming out of the offseason. He's had time to prepare, and you give him that time, and you see the runs that this team goes on every single season to start their year, and I think you give him that bye, you give him the time, and this is a very dangerous Chiefs team. Obviously, there's no telling with someone like Pat Mahomes at the quarterback position how he's going to do under the pressure of the postseason, but if he plays anything near what he's been playing like in the regular season, could be a dangerous team. I'm with you. I don't want to see the Chargers. I'll put it that way. I don't want to see the Chargers. Um, but I think our best bets would probably be against the whoever ends up in the Colts or Titans seed or whoever ends up in the Baltimore or Pittsburgh seed. I know, like I said, I don't want to face Baltimore or Pittsburgh, but I think out of the teams that are here, those are our best bets. And I guess somehow if Houston ends up down there, Houston is a team that really hasn't been talked about too much and is just kind of walked their way silently in the playoffs with no one really noticing um i don't think they have the power to get to the super bowl this year or win it for that matter 
But I guess the Houston Texans, another team that I would not be overly worried to play in the playoffs. So just to recap, best case scenario, Patriots get home field advantage and the first round by that being very unlikely with Chiefs and Houston both having to lose to some, no, the Chiefs and Chargers, pardon me, both having to lose to, to some very poor teams. The most likely scenario, the Patriots stay in the second second seed position, get the first round by, and but don't get home field advantage unless the Chargers or uh, Chiefs were to lose in the playoffs before they would beat the Patriots. And then worst case scenario, we lose the bye, have to play in the first round of the playoffs and play straight through. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting week of football if you're a Patriots fan or really any team that is in the playoff hunt because there's a lot of teams still in here. We get, we, I mean, we've talked about in the AFC, the Titans and Steelers, but I think you have a couple even in the NFC who um, uh, the Eagles really being the only ones in the hunt, I guess. But some very big uh, moves could be made this week depending on how football goes. But maybe now let's get into the uh, the ending segment of the show, I guess, as it has now become, uh, with some hot takes. James, you have one here. I have two, actually. Neither I can really back up, and one's not really a take. One's more of an observation, but I will let you go first. Uh, as I see, this has to do with the Patriots' downfall. So uh, bring us through that, please. Uh, I'm not sure how hot this take is, but we'll, I guess we'll call it a take at the very least. And I'm saying Josh Gordon's absence is going to lead to the downfall of the Patriots passing game this year. Josh Gordon's a guy that came into New England and we just said, oh, he's, you know, he's another guy we can have on the offense. We'll see the same guys. We'll see Chris Hogan. We'll see Julian Edelman. You know, those guys will carry. We'll see Gronk. And we'll just have another weapon available to us. Josh Gordon quickly became a staple of this passing offense. And this could completely be a, oh, you know, it just so happens that the one week the Patriots don't do well passing Josh Gordon isn't there but I think it takes away a big target on offense and I think that him being gone we're going to be led to too many just mediocre receivers receivers that maybe won't be able to hold their own all the way through the playoffs and uh, really force us to run the ball which is something New England hasn't done well so I think Josh Gordon being wherever he is no one really knows uh, that's going to lead to a big big downfall in the Patriots passing game uh you don't have the confidence that these guys will be able to step up and perform at the level that he was performing no and especially with the way Gronk's played this season I just don't think it's possible for them to have the, that same dynamic offense that they had through kind of the mid point of uh the mid season of this year now you mentioned Gronk there and that's kind of one of my takes as I said I have an observation kind of thing and this is actually something I've been saying for a couple of years and I don't know if any of the listeners will believe me but I've been saying for at least the last two years that we should trade Gronkowski. And I don't know if that's really possible now with uh, him getting older in the season he's had this year. He, I've not been his number one supporter, obviously, with me thinking he should, we should trade him. I always thought that the upside we would get for him was much higher than his upside. He's always injured. I mean, he's always double covered in games. And yes, he finds a way to somehow get through it. But I would like to have more... Uh, future talent in place rather than just have this one guy so not really a hot take that's easy to say now I guess with the way the last couple of years have been going Uh, my second take a little more hot if you will is that the Kansas City Chiefs will lose their first playoff game and get out of the playoffs immediately uh, whether that is after a bye or um, if they somehow lose to the Raiders this week and lose their first round bye I think they will lose their first game now you said Andy Reid especially good 
uh, kind of like Belichick coming off the bye uh, and even out of the offseason, like you mentioned, how his team tends to go on a run. But I think kind of just the lack of experience here, and I think Pat Mahomes will actually choke in his playoff game and uh, the Chiefs will get out in the first game they play. Now, I don't know how many people, I certainly didn't, followed him throughout college and everything, so I don't know his career there. And I know we've Andy Reid, great in December and everything. Uh, I still think they will choke. Just just a feeling kind of thing. And maybe maybe a little bit of wishful thinking, if you will, just so the Patriots don't have to face them. But that is my hot take for the week. I think for your backup on that, all I'm going to say is the the Rams. Last year, they had a similar defense. They've added more more defense this year, but incredible team, dangerous heading into the playoffs, and then you have Jared Goff at the helm and just can't get it done, and, and the lack of playoff experience really did him in. So I guess we could be seeing a similar situation with Pat Mahomes. And I mean, especially coming off a game against the Raiders, I think most likely they will easily clean up this game. It'll be a blowout victory, and I think that kind of doesn't help them because they won't really have to play that well they'll just have to play better than the Raiders which is not hard currently and then they'll get the week off and they kind of it'll be like almost two weeks off of football if you will and I think um again this gives Andy Reid even more time to prepare but I think this is just too much time and not a good enough opponent to challenge the Chiefs going into this last week so me saying they will choke in the first game of the playoffs whatever game that might be all right, and kind of closing out here, obviously we've said it a couple of times, but this Sunday, the last game of the regular season, I don't know where it's gone, it's gone too fast, at the New York Jets, which is really in New Jersey. But yeah, that is going to do it for this week's podcast. If you guys did enjoy the podcast, please do leave a rating, a comment, any sort of feedback on this podcast. Uh, we love to know how we're doing, what we could do better, what you guys enjoy, what you guys think we should change. All that stuff because obviously we just have our point of view from it and, and hearing other people's points of view and what you guys think of the show is always super, super helpful. As always, do follow us on Twitter at Brady Bros Boston. Uh, that's where we announce right away that the pod is dropped. That's where I attempt to keep you up to date with Boston news and kind of the stuff going on. So basically the best way to interact with us and the quickest way to get notifications when the podcast goes up, Twitter at Brady Bros Boston. Drop us a follow. And lastly, if you would like to sponsor the show, please send us an email at bradybrowersboston at gmail.com. Um, we're open to pretty much anything. It just helps increase the production value of this show and make it better and uh, help it get out to more people and uh, hopefully more listeners. So that is going to do it for this week. Thank you guys all so much for listening. going to be a good week of Boston sports, and uh, that's going to do it. See ya.